What is up, everyone? This is Avery Smith, creator of Data Career Jumpstart and Snow Data Science. Welcome back to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that gives you, the data enthusiasts, the tools you need to build an amazing data career. Whether that's breaking the data science, landing a senior data position, or building a new data team or product, this podcast is here to help. So welcome back, everyone, to episode 12. This one is called Engineering to Data Science with my friend Tom Ives. It was recorded on May 11th, 2021, and it's the first official interview of the Data Career Podcast. It was actually right after the launch party, and it was pretty awesome. Tom Ives, total stud, love the guy, seriously so nice. We had a nice chat about his long career in data and his transition from engineering to data science. We also talk about the principle of being someone with data science skills versus being someone with a data scientist title. There's a difference between the two, and it's very important. It was really fascinating stuff, and a lot of what he said rang true. This is the way you become a data science. You do data science before the role is ever assigned to you. Do not forget that, and I hope if you get one thing from the podcast, it is that. Also, don't forget we have a giveaway going on right now where you can win a shout-out in the show notes and on my on the podcast and on my personal LinkedIn. To be considered, you just need to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Spotify does not have a review session yet, so go ahead and find it on Apple Podcasts and review there, and I'll choose two lucky winners. So do it, and you can win, but also if you want to support the show and show the love, I would appreciate it. I do want to apologize for my tech issues in this episode. It was kind of a nightmare. I somehow unplugged my nice mic for my audio, so I had my computer mic going for some reason, and it just is very echoey. And then my headphones wouldn't work, so I couldn't listen to Tom. I had to listen to him on my computer speakers. So there's a little bit of feedback here and there on the episode, and the audio is definitely not the best. I was pretty bummed by this, but at least it's better than nothing. So once again, I'm sorry. Tech still gets me no matter how deep I work in it. It's, it defeats us all, right? With that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode. And go ahead and find Tom, T-H-O-M space I-V-E-S on LinkedIn and give him a follow. Uh, I really appreciate him and, and being on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoy after the short break. And here's the surprise in the flesh. It's Tom Ives. Oh, oh, I thought it was going to be someone else. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll, do, I'll do it. I'll do it. Sure. I, I'm so, glad it's you, so, Tom. Here, I'm going to put these on. So I can hear you better. Hold on, give me a second. All right, let me know if my mic's not good. I have it. No, your mic's fine. My speakers okay. are bad. That's all. Let me just connect this Bluetooth. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just battled uh, Boise traffic for two hours to go get a new used car, and considering that, I'm okay. Oh wow! Where where did you go to? So far away. Oh, uh, it. It was just across the other side of Boise, and we had a huge wreck on our interstate, so it congested every other major arterial road, and it, it was just stuck. It was traumatic. I'm still in trauma. <laughs> that, that does sound traumatic. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to commute very much, but I've gotten very comfortable to not commuting during, during this whole COVID situation, so I try not to spend any time in the car. If, uh, if I don't have to. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I've been spoiled working at home. I love it. Yeah, it is super nice. Okay, so I'm pulling up. Let's see here. 
Um, I'm saying that Tom's, my, my question's from Tom. If you guys don't know Tom, Tom is one of the kindest, friendliest people in the data community on LinkedIn. He is the lead data scientist for UL Prospector and yes. owner of Integrated Machine Learning and AI. He has over 30 years of industrial experience in the mix between engineering and data science. He cares deeply about others and loves to help. And I'm super happy to call in my friend. Everyone, this is Tom. Ditto. Ditto, Avery. Thanks for all you do for the community. Hey, well, you you are such a big part of this community on LinkedIn and just the data community in, in general. Um, I guess the, the interesting thing about you is you're not like what I consider you know, like what people may consider, like a like a programmer from from your background, right? Um, so, what, what is your background, Tom? Yeah, um, all three of my degrees are in mechanical engineering, but if you actually look at my curriculum for my PhD, it would be more appropriate. In fact, I wish I could call myself a multi physics engineer, and that involved a lot of predictive modeling. So. When I saw that traditional methods were having limits, even with our growing computing power, I started jumping in to learn neural networks and uh, expert systems and fuzzy logic before we even called that kind of stuff data science. But people say, well, uh, why did you switch to data science? And so, hey, in 1980, in freshman physics lab, I was doing least squares by hand. I, I don't think I switched. I think it just changed names a little bit. <laughs> and so, my, but my greatest passion in the engineering sciences was doing predictive modeling. So working with tons of data, but, and then sometimes we did empirical modeling, which would be pretty much the cousin or even the sibling of data science in the engineering realm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's so many similarities between engineering and data science, and it obviously gets you that really good background in, in math, just in general, and, and problem solving and thinking. You know, so it's it's not as big of a jump as, as people may think. Or did you think it was a big jump? No, I didn't think it was a big jump at all. But what I did find was, as I started realizing, well, you've been doing data science. And then I thought, well, what other techniques are out there? And I was blown away at how many cool mathematical techniques were being employed. But it wasn't like it was hard or new, just because of my background. I mean, basically, I did the blood, sweat, and tears before I decided, oh, yeah, I'll go learn these other algorithms. And you get to a certain point where you've coded a lot of uh, uh, things from scratch that are algorithmic. And, and it's, I, I wouldn't say it's not hard anymore. It's just that it, it doesn't scare you as much anymore. It's more like that. Yeah, that that's crazy. So you have an undergrad in, is it mechanical engineering? Yeah, BS in mechanical engineering, MS in the same, PhD in the same. Okay, wow. And, and you were saying you were doing least squares by hand. <laughs> yes. Okay, and so, I, I first started programming on punch cards. That's my other claim to being super old. <laughs> that is crazy. I, that, is, that is awesome. So you've, you've seen quite, quite the dramatic changes then. Yes, very dramatic changes. But at least when I was a freshman in college, we even had some pretty decent HP computers in our first uh, engineering course. Uh, 
I say punch cards, but even in that same semester, we were on terminals uh, connecting directly to big VAX mainframes. And, you know, it, we were using Fortran. It's a great language. We could get a lot done with that. So it, it, it wasn't as uh, masochistic as I make it sound. <laughs> uh, do you still use Fortran anymore or not really? If I'm using R, I'm basically sitting on top of Fortran, but I hardly ever use R. I'm almost always use Python. Okay, you almost, you almost uh, always use Python. And how long have you been using Python for? Gosh, not very long. I, it's just a little over 20 years, I think. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 20 years? Yeah. I started it in about uh, 2000. 2000. Wow. That's like, I mean, that's you must be a master at that, or at least you've, you've, you've seen a, at least a big growth. I mean... I, I think all it really means is uh, I, I look. At, I don't look at the documentation as often as I used to. I, I show <laughs> I the documentation. Wow, I'll tell you that. Much. Oh, <laughs> I, I drink from. As a friend of mine once said, we all suck from the teats of Stack Overflow. Oh and yeah, that's still that, still true of me. That that's true uh, for me too. Um, okay, so with all that experience, where where are you now? Um, what do you do now? Where do you live? What's your day-to-day -day life? So I live in Eagle, Idaho. And for those that don't know, UL, Underwriters Laboratories, um, it's one of the older country, excuse me, one of the older companies in our country. It got its start uh, back in the beginning days of General Electric and Westinghouse Electric. Um, the promoters and the sponsors of these big electrical demonstrations at the beginning of the electrical age, they... They needed someone to analyze whether these demonstrations were safe. And that was the beginning. The two founders of Underwriters Laboratories were the scientists who would study these demonstrations to make sure that they were insurable uh, at a, at a re reasonable rate. And it's grown into a worldwide safety company since then. Um, it, it split into two halves not too long ago, a retail side and still a safety testing side. Um, but there's a business inside UL. Oh, by the way, if you turn almost any electrical device over and look at a label, either in the embossed plastic or a, some shiny silver sticker, you'll see a circle with U and L in it. That's my Ooh. company. And Prospector serves up a SaaS, software as a service, um, for the largest and most accurate a database, searchable database through our SAS for plastics, paints, coatings, personal care, and cosmetics. So if you're if you're building something that needs a plastic or you're designing a chemical product of some kind, we're the place to come to find it quick and find everything you need to know about it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's good to know because I didn't I didn't know exactly what your company did. Um, and I guess what do you do there? So I'm their first and only lead data scientist. And currently, I'm working on a system to automate the entry of PDF data into our database, either updating it or doing new entries and uh, making good progress. But it's been a real challenge, which means I'm having a blast. <laughs> That's a great attitude to have. So it, it sounds like you're doing like a lot of like automation almost, like data cleanup and data automation. Exactly. Uh, the data is pretty clean. It's 
trying to harvest data from PDFs, which are completely unstructured. Yeah. That's the tricky part. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So that's a little bit about what you do at your day job. Do you, do you like, are there other data scientists there? Are you by yourself or? So we started a small social group where we meet once a week and it, that's been really great. Um, I've got a happy, sad story. The guy that was being used on the HR side to recruit me when I came in, we became friends. He was excited about finding out what I do, and I started encouraging him. He got into data analytics for HR, and then we lost him. He got recruited because of his growing skills. So I mentored away my favorite HR person at UL. That is hilarious. But the rest... The rest of the people in the group were were lonely data scientists at home because of the pandemic. And but we recently grew some uh, new people from Germany that work with renewable stuff, and they are applying uh, data science in fascinating ways. We are really impressed. And then we do have quite a few data scientists um, around the world. Some of them, a lot of them, are in Dublin, Ireland. Though. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Very uh, international. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. Um, okay. And then you're also the um, the owner and founder of Integrated Machine Learning uh, and AI. And w- what is that? Explain that for us. You bet. So we're still kind of young, but it, it first started out with me realizing, Tom, you idiot, you don't have an online presence. Why don't you start a blog? And so as I looked at what was going on out in the wild of data science online, I realized, you know, there's a lot of good blogs. There's a lot of good courses, but there's not a lot of let's code from scratch. Like let's get into the math concepts, then get into the deep math. Then let's talk step by step how you do that. And um, before I could get very long, far along, I, I have several posts, but, they started switching to mentoring posts because I was meeting young people and I really, Avery, I was just kind to them, encouraging. I was warning them, look, any technical field can be harsh. So don't take it personally, you know, be kind and gentle with yourself because this stuff is challenging to learn, but you can do it. Just stick with it. Treat it like a long hike. Uh, if I could help them, I would, you know, as, try, as far as giving them a good uh, reference for getting into UL. Well, before I knew it, people were writing these glowing thank you posts about me on LinkedIn. And that caused other people to reach out to me, wanting mentoring. And that's a hard area for me to say no in. So I kept doing what was possible. And now I feel like I'm doing the impossible. I have the most wonderful people in the world serving this community with me, um, it's grown into uh, a Saturday morning mentoring session, which is more like a virtual family living room where we're really living a more together spirit, trying to help each other know how to grow our skills in every area, even personal skills. And a a real spirit, uh, my steward team, I can't thank them enough. They help me. But there's so many people that are giving back already inside our community to help the new people, to encourage people. So now it's grown into a, a bi-weekly tech, uh, tech time chat, we call it. And most of the time we work on Kaggle type stuff there. 
uh, it's grown into a class which Guy Sankari and I are using to help us develop a book we're writing with Pact on us. It's a, it's a more, it's a more philosophical view into machine learning processes. And so we're still not super willing to define ourselves, but our latest two guests that we had into our family living room were Dennis Rothman and Gilbert. I, Kellenbaum. I said it right. I know I did. Gilbert, nice. I hope you were listening. I think I think I practiced. And uh, it, it was so enlightening. Uh, but what's I mean, the guests that we sometimes have, they're great, but it's the family itself, because everyone's trying to help each other get the best philosophy, the best spirit on the topic we're talking about. It's magical, Avery. And so yeah. we're excited to hopefully grow. We, I think Gaith and I are trying to we we say build a long-term business for the family but we're not we're taking it slow so we got to get our book done first and it's stressing us both out quite a bit right now yeah that's that's a lot of work for sure i, I can only imagine um so i guess with all that mentoring and, and you definitely you are, you do a ton of mentoring for the community i guess like what's your number one advice for someone who wants to get uh started with a data career so a lot of people get hung up on um, trying to get a data science role title right away. And I absolutely discourage worrying about that. Avery, I'm assuming you have to pay rent or mortgage. You still have to buy food. You still have to buy clothes. You need a job, right? Yeah. So do, so do I still. And uh, I'm not financially independent yet. So, you know, you, you got to have the you got to get the best job you can. But in that job, try to get the job closest to a place where you can do a better job by using data. And there's very few jobs you couldn't do better using data. And so start the there's a blog post that uh, Manpreet Pudraja and Abdul Nahib and I wrote together called Being a Data Scientist. And it's the spirit of always be a data scientist. Well, if you're being a data scientist, what does a data scientist do? Well, they do data science. So do data science. Don't, don't wait for it to do it. And then you know what you'll eventually have? You'll have recognition as being a data scientist, whether you have that role title or not. And then you can use that growing portfolio and your growing experience to get a, a job that has a data science role title. So you're saying you don't have to be a data scientist to do data science? I'm saying you don't have to have a role title of data scientist to be a data scientist. Oh, I it's, like that. It's, it's up to you whether or not you're going to be a data scientist in the role that you're in. Let me put it this way. Um, when if if you're an athlete, but you have a job, are you not an athlete at your job? Would you not hesitate? Or would you hesitate to use your athleticism to help you do better in your job? Just because your job role title isn't athlete, does that mean you're not an athlete? That's the kind of spirit we want to encourage data scientists to have. So it's, it's almost like it's, it's, a, it's the skill set versus the job description. It's the ability to... Uh, to have skills, to think in a certain way, 
that helps you excel in your role to, to do better, a better job in your role. Yes. I, I like that. Um, is that, is that how you got into data or like, how did you get into data? Well, I want to uh, reveal to the audience. I just pretty much told Avery's data science journey story. You were doing data science before you had the title, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I I was a, a lab technician, and we had a data scientist, and we and we lost him too. He he went to uh, bigger and greener pastures, and <laughs> we, we tried to hire another data scientist, couldn't find him for a while, and uh, so I I was like, well, I'm gonna start. I'll code up something, and I'll see how good it is. See if we can help our company move forward. And I ended up working. And then eventually I was like, hey, I keep doing all this data stuff. Can I, can I be a data, a data guy, basically? And they're like, yeah, sure. So, I mean, you are right that, that the act of, of doing data science-y things starts well before the data science title ever lands on your resume. That's for sure. Now, to answer your question about me, though, this is hilarious. I would challenge anyone on the planet, well, at least before COVID, to know less than me about any current event. Really? Now, let me repeat that. I would, I would challenge anyone to know less than me about any current event. So when I went to one of my friends saying, I really feel like I'm not applying my skills to their max. And this is a really good friend that's a cloud architect expert with Microsoft now. And he listened to me describe my career and what I was good at and what I was passionate about. He said, well, Tom, you're a data scientist. And I said, well, yeah, I, I would say that. And he said, oh, I see you don't realize how hot that field is right now. I, guess, I said, oh, I guess not. <laughs> and then when I looked at it, I realized, okay, darn it. I would have a blast doing this. This is right up my alley and definitely. And, and because of my love for Python he, over the years, using it to automate so many things. Avery, this is a fun story. And I, I don't mean it to brag. I mean it to say, this, I'm bragging on Python when I share this story. This was back in 2000 when, where Pentiums were a big deal and to get access to one of the faster Pentiums was a great thing. And I kind of built a poor man's supercomputer out of six of them that were, I, I was in Boise. These were in somewhere in uh, just south of Portland. I forget, uh, uh, Corvallis, Oregon. And uh I was kind of slaving them together to do uh, solutions to element level type modeling and, and trying to do some predictive modeling on something we were doing at my current company. But it was all because of Python that I, it, it was like being unleashed the first, because I'd had experience with Fortran, Basic, C, C++, even awk, if anyone remembers awk. <laughs> and it's it's a really cool, easy to use language. But when when I discovered Python, it was a whole new world. It, it really honestly set me free. And back then we had NumPy. We had this cool tool that we still have called Visual Python that allows you to animate things real easily. We even had a Tekinter. It was ugly back then. It looks good now, but we had GUI systems. There, there was very little I couldn't do back then you know, compared to now. And, and was that mostly working in the, in the semiconductor industry? So 
in the, in that when I first picked up Python, I was working in micro electromechanical system design and testing. Okay. Um, and was there a lot of so it's basically a very small uh, electromechanical systems. Oh, absolutely. Um, the the types of modeling, predictive modeling we were doing, and uh, even some of the element level packages, uh, you could actually write wrappers around them with Python, and that's what I was doing, so that I could control uh, parameter sweeps on the systems we were analyzing. <clears throat> That's that's good to lost know. Lost your video I know, for just a second. I know I lost. I don't know what happened. My camera turned off. I'll have to. I'll have to check it out. I'm on my backup camera. <laughs> um, the uh, it's it's interesting because you're you're an engineer. Um, I'm an engineer. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of engineers watching. We have a lot of different engineers in our you know our LinkedIn connections. It's it's so interesting because I think there's so much room for Python in engineering. And I just, I think sometimes people have a hard time either seeing how it could be useful or just they think the, the step to get there is, is too hard. I've, I, I don't know for sure. It's been a while since I've taught a university level class, but um, there was one semester, I was an adjunct at a local university teaching um, uh, control system design. And our MATLAB license was late. And, oh, wow. and our, our, our simulate license, I went, hey, no problem. We'll just use Python. Well, they fell in love with it because not only did we have all the tools for free, but they could animate their systems. So one of the rites of passage for control system design is an inverted pendulum. But they actually were animating that through Python. Oh, and cool. Then the license showed up about halfway through the semester. I said, y'all should probably really learn this because it's an industry standard. And at the end of the semester, I said, what do you prefer? And they said, we like them both, but it's just so awesome to know Python's free. And if we ever went to a company and had to do this stuff, we could do it. We wouldn't have to worry about whether we had a map out. Exactly. Good point. But there were some things they liked about Python a lot better, for sure. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's been in a corporate job knows that it's not easy to get your boss to spend money on something. Um, yeah, especially especially in 2020. I mean, a lot of a lot of the budgets gets cut, and we, yeah, Python. They'll never be able to take that away from you because it's free. Exactly. Right? That, that, that's our our God given liberties and rights. Is, is we will <laughs> always have Python. Exactly. Um, I guess I guess while we're on that that thought, what has helped you? Because I mean, like you said, you've you've been you've been doing Python for over twenty years. Um, what drives you to to learn every day? Like, what helps you learn every day? I, guess? I I can't completely explain it, but and and I, I think I'm going to use this word appropriately, although it's not usually used in this realm. I just have a lust to discover advanced things that can help me do automation in an ever more clever way. So uh, I, I had to curb my study of reinforced learning for a while, but I was, it was hard because I was, I was doing it from scratch and I even created my own environment using visual Python, but it was so rewarding. I learned so much more 
not just from the code, but also philosophically, because the way I visualized my agent, I learned something personally from watching it. Uh, you know, Avery, we spend so much time learning this stuff. I figured, you know, this stuff's so cool and so powerful and it's deeply philosophical, even though it's mathematical and technical, that doesn't mean it's any less philosophical. So maybe I could abstract it and apply it to other areas of my life. When you watch that agent, how stupid it is at the beginning of its life, but how is it learning? It's just getting out and trying. And then it's, it's practicing hindsight. And the only way it gets smarter is by, oh, well, I know this path works, but you know what? I should explore a little bit to see how this other path works. And by that, it improves its policies over time. And I thought, I can learn from that. <laughs> and But it's I think it's because it's so beautiful, too, Avery. The stuff we learn is not just powerful. It's beautiful. It, it can be abstracted to other realms. It's, it's beautiful philosophy. Yeah, for sure. Is, is that your... If for anyone who's who's uh, who's followed Tom, you know that that actually sounds very similar to his LinkedIn posts. He, he talks a lot about reinforcement learning, and he talks about how reinforcement learning has taught him in his life that yeah, guess what? My brain works the same way as this algorithm. You get out there, and you're you're dumb at first. You don't succeed at first, <laughs> but you try, try again, and you eventually get smarter at it. He talks a lot about that. Um, have 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 I guess, is reinforcement learning your favorite part of data science right now, if you had to like, choose one? Well, I had to put it on the shelf for a while, and uh, I announced to the community, and I had a method to my madness doing this. I was putting RL on the shelf so I could learn transformers. And, and that's not I, the same thing. What's the difference between transformers and reinforcement learning? Sure. Transformers are the most advanced uh, types of architectures for deep learning now. And they're breaking uh, records for natural language processing tasks. They, they have just blown through barriers. Well, I was writing posts about it, but I was also deciding I want to create a learning guild, kind of like a advanced miniature university. So we had a, a chat group and people that wanted to join us let me know. And on one of my posts, Dennis Rothman promised something big was coming. And then he, he joined our group, which we were all ecstatic about. And he had to be a little hush-hush because he was writing his book and we didn't know it. And then he announced his book. And I, I said, Robert, I need an early release copy. And I promise to find more errata than your proofreaders. And I promise to read it faster than normal because I get to count it as full-time work because this I, I had to look at Transformers because I thought they might really be a breakthrough to the current work I was doing at UL. So I put the, the reinforced learning a hold, learn the Transformers. Dennis' book is written masterfully. That guy, it, you, you want to follow him, everyone. He's multilingual. He's multicultural. He's multi-philosophical. He's multi-talented and he's a super nice guy and he's got years of secret industry experience that he can now finally talk about. He's worth following. He's got a, he's got books on Amazon through PAC. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel and I'm just lucky to be friends with him and call him my brother. And, uh, but I've learned so much from him and, and uh, 
So Transformers are just ultra cool. I think they're gonna, I think they were partially inspired, um, of course, by deep learning, but also by uh, specifically graph neural networks, uh, thinking about uh, types of control systems, I think specifically to convolutional neural networks. They, they somewhere along the line, they realized we don't need RNNs or LSTMs anymore. All, and, and this hits the name of the famous paper. Attention is all you need, but the attention mechanism in transformers is literally just a graph neural network, but a very smartly oriented one in the overall architecture. Okay, wow. And uh, so, do, do you prefer? Do you do you? I guess you talked about this earlier that you you kind of always have been into kind of predictive modeling, one way or another. Um, do you find that to be the most fascinating part, just like predictive modeling versus like making dashboards, doing descriptive learning, that type of thing? Absolutely. Um, my favorite story to tell, we had a really good senior design course, University of Texas, Austin, when I was uh, undergrad mechanical engineer. And we had a great computer lab, even though we were all on terminals to some mainframe, we weren't really lacking for power. And I remember dusting off differential equations and simulating a system that we were proposing for design. And I thought, wow, I just predicted how this thing's going to behave before I built it. How cool is that? And I got more and more excited about that over time. So when I went back to grad school, that's what I decided I wanted to focus on. And um, I did my master's in robotics calibration, which is like advanced kinematics modeling when you get down to it. And then, but I still am in love with what I did for my PhD, design and modeling of hybrid electric vehicle power plants. But what's exciting about that research is in that I was coding a ton of stuff, but it included expert systems, for example, for the driver of the car to uh, road profiles and driving profiles. Wow. So yes, cool. predictive predict just the idea of being able to use a computer model to guide your prototyping efforts and save time and money, that gets my juices flowing. Absolutely. I mean, how could it not, right? For knowing the future is just like an innate human desire, I feel like. And and being in data science, it lets you almost almost play God a little bit. You're like, oh. I know what happens if this and this and this combine, then I'm going to get this as an outcome. It's, it's kind of a cool feeling, huh? Absolutely, um, absolutely. Let me ask you about, about LinkedIn, because obviously we, we found each other on, on LinkedIn. We're, we're LinkedIn friends. Um, what, what, what role does LinkedIn play in your life, and, and why do you make it part of your life? So I, I want to – I like to confess. Yeah, conf another confession. <laughs> I'm going to confess to the community. For a while, I, I, I was afraid I might be addicted to it. I, I loved the friends I was making around the world. I loved that uh, I was helping people. I loved what I was learning by helping them. And, you know, I've become friends with you and other great people. But two of my closest friends, uh, Guy Senkari, my co-author, and Greg Kukuyo, who we want to be co-authors in the near future on something we've been talking about. And um, I was just talking to Greg today. I said, you know what? I used to worry that LinkedIn might be taking too much time 
And then I realized because of my connections, because of the things I've learned, I think not. It's actually saved me a lot of time by being so integrated with the community at a deeper level, like wanting to help each other. And so, but I, I still find Avery, I got to be careful. So I'll, I'll tell people uh, that are messaging me, Hey, I got to go dark. That means I'm going off LinkedIn. So I can get some work done. <laughs> I said that you can always message me, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> on our Slack work group for integrated machine learning and AI. And so those that know me the best and are trying to get a hold of me right away, they'll they'll reach out to me that way. But after I shut down LinkedIn, I'll, I'll still peek in for a study break or to nurse a post or something like that. But the other confession, and I hope LinkedIn is, is a listening. LinkedIn, I give up. I'm just going to post what I'm what I think is important, and I don't care what your algorithm thinks of it because what I think of my post and what your algorithm does, they don't align. So <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating sometimes. One post that I think, oh, the community really needs to see this, and it it'll get like, you know, less than a third of that post that was half baked, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and Greg said the same thing. He's Greg's a top voice, and he was saying, Tom, I feel the same way. I, 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 I've given up trying to figure out the algorithm. And, and really, we didn't want to be at the, at the mercy of the algorithm. We wanted to just post what, was, what we thought would help the community. But sometimes what you think will help the community more is not as popular as maybe, and, and I'm not saying this in a put-down way, my, my famous son, Danny Ma, he's the meme lord, can't even hold a candle to him, but dang, he can get a lot of likes and a lot of reactions on one of his memes. And it's, you know, it's great because it's enjoyable. It's funny. But then something really important. Uh, <laughs> we got to start making really important memes, Tom. I think, I think that's exactly. Good. Exactly. Well, and the other hard thing is, <clears throat> I mean, I think, I think what you said is really good. I, I'm going to just post what I want to post, what I think is important. And I think, I think the rest of it kind of takes care of itself after that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that is hard, though, also, is the algorithm's always changing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes. it, it is unreal. Yeah. Like, like I know um, Matthew Sharp, he'll be our guest next week. He's kind of been uh, joking around that that LinkedIn uh, acquired SurveyMonkey because, like, the last the month, last month and a half, it's only been surveys at the top of your feed on LinkedIn. They just keep bringing up the the surveys. Um, and, and that's new. Um, and recently, you mean like a you mean like a poll, right? The, yeah, sorry, the poll. Yeah. No, whatever. Survey, same thing. Yeah, the the little. There's only four options, one question. I'm gonna post one tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that that those are doing really well right now. And pictures, I'm finding okay, haven't done as well as they have historically. Pictures aren't doing very good. So it's yeah. crazy. Well, I was, I, I was, I was, I've had some popular videos that were just fun, you know, like one was to Dennis's book. Yeah. And another one was to promote the, the, the change of uh, lights on data. This was the old name for the Farrakhan show lights on nice. data. And, uh, but then I did one for Manpreet's birthday party cause she's truly a daughter and she's, she's a big reason why integrated is what it is. 
But what's interesting is uh, I thought, oh, I could enter into the video space and possibly compete with my famous son. And then he released a few videos. And I went, I give up. I, I can't compete with him. <laughs> but he's, he's gotten really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Videos are tough to crack, too. I might still try, but I, I can't afford the time right now. I have I to stay ultra-disciplined. I feel you. Um, what do you feel like you've gotten from LinkedIn that you wouldn't have without it? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So um, I hate to – well, let me – so it doesn't sound like it's coming from me. I'm going to quote Pa Ingalls, Charles Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie. There is no great loss without some small gain. Now, I hate it that my Indian family is going through hell right now with COVID. I hate it that my Italian family went through COVID hell at the beginning of COVID. But at the same time, if COVID hadn't happened, we wouldn't have all got online. I wouldn't have been traveling virtually all over the world, speaking to, to both sides of Africa, to, to uh, Europe, to MENA, uh, to South America, I, I feel so blessed, India many times, and uh, I feel so blessed to have friends all over the world, and uh, especially Guy, sometimes we will stay up till late my time uh, just talking about how different the Middle East and North Africa and growing up there was from what I've experienced growing up in both Texas and Idaho and Florida, and uh, it, it's just such a mind opener. I have friends in Colombia and Brazil and uh, of India most. I just feel like I'm half Indian now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I love Indian people too. And so I think that's been it really. Thank you, LinkedIn. Regardless of us being chasing your algorithm around, which I refuse to do anymore, thank you for providing, providing the platform. It's been great. <clears throat> yeah. It LinkedIn is such a good place. And I feel like it opens so many doors that you don't even know even exist. Like, like for instance, all these friends that you've made around the world, you know, you had no clue of their existence um, before LinkedIn. And now, now you have such a special relationship and such a special bond with them. That, that's such a cool feeling. And I, and I mean, it, the, just having LinkedIn doesn't do that, right? You have to have the drive and the personality and, the kindness that you've had, right, to to reach out to others, and when reached out to 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 respond, you know, because that takes time, right? Um, anyways, you've done such a great do- job, Tom. You have such a good community, and I mean, you too, Avery. I I appreciate that, but you too. I really appreciate your post, and uh, I I I wish I could visit everyone's every post, but uh, I, I I just don't have time. But I've always liked your posts. What, when, is, when is LinkedIn going to get like a, a notification bell per person? That's what I want. I want like, there's like 10 people on LinkedIn, including yourself. And it's like, if they post, I want it like on my phone. So I can look at it. I don't want everyone's. I just want like the 10 people <laughs> that I really, I really am interested in. I, I don't know if LinkedIn will like me suggesting this, but I'm a big fan of, hey, invite the people. And this happened to me, by the way, when I was when I was young on LinkedIn and I didn't have a lot of followers, I started thinking, 
there's certain people I like listening to. I remember Terry Singh. I loved him. And then I discovered Danny. Uh, I discovered Fabio. And I just would reach out to them. Yeah. And I would say, I thank you for your voice. I like your presence on LinkedIn. Well, we became friends through that. And then there was there's this group that it, it's a group of fairly big people on LinkedIn. And Danny got me into that group. Well, that launched me because we support each other's posts. But frankly, Avery, I really do like their posts. Uh, yeah. Susan Walsh is in there, the Farrakhan's. Andrew Jones, I could go on and on, but I, I love those people. We're, I'm close to them now, and uh, we have some hilarious talks occasionally. And uh, But I would say, like, I'm going to mention someone who I think is just awesome, and I know you're going to know her, her, who she is too, Qian Tran. Her Python post, so cutting, so helpful, and she has her own website where they're all cataloged. And she stopped into some of our things. And I'm always like, Kuyen's here, yay! Because <laughs> she's just brilliant and she's so helpful. But I'd say someone that really likes Kuyen, say, hey, let's form a group where we share our post with one another in case we don't see them in the feed. That way we'll see it. it you know, we, we know what happened. And so just share your post links with each other. And uh, that's a big part of my LinkedIn life now. I, I don't know if LinkedIn likes it when we do that. But so that's something Greg and I, uh, we make sure we know each about each other's posts. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great way to, to stay on top and to help, help one another as well. Um, I hope they won't uh, ban me for giving that advice. <laughs> no, I don't think they will. Um, I, did, I did see, I need to check. I need to check a little bit more, but I had a friend that got banned from LinkedIn a couple of days ago. So, uh -oh. Yeah, I know. I need to, I'm guessing it was an automation thing that he was doing. But I need to check the, the, the funniest thing I ever saw was wasn't a complete ban, but it was some kind of weird block on Robert. And it was obviously an accident. But we, oh, we gave him so much grief for that. <laughs> it was hilarious. It's, I mean, it's scary to put a lot of work into something and you can have it be gone in a second. So that's, absolutely. That's kind of fun. Um, Okay. Well, that, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I really appreciate your insight. I hope everyone watching, um, I mean, and listening, because this is also a podcast, right? Um, goes and connects. Do, do I say your name right? Is it is it Ives? Is that how you say it? Oh, you're saying it perfect. It's I-V-E-S, like St. Ives, or I guess people are too, Courier and Ives. These are older <laughs> references now pearl lives on frosty the go. snowman <laughs> there you go. Yeah. go go follow tom ives on uh on linkedin and but check the out hard, it, yeah the harder part is it's t-h-o-m it's just oh, basically thomas without the ass that's what i'm trying to be is <laughs> a thomas without the ass a nice a nicer thomas how about that yes a nicer tom yeah <laughs> and where, where do you find where can we find more about integrated mach or AI, machine learning and AI? So we're still being kind of organic. Um, okay. I've, I've never even uh, advertised a session. It's been word of mouth. And let me check. This is kind of fun. I do these fun memes when we, when we hit a new hundred mark, but we're at 518. I mean, we're half Robert's community, but I'm proud because it's been all organic. Uh, people sharing, hey, you want to be part of this community? Because 
We all help each other. Uh, but just direct message. Uh, I hope my steward team doesn't mind me mentioning them. Uh, it would be me or Guy Sankari. And uh, that's a little tough. G-H-A-I-T-H. It's an Arabic name. Sankari, just like it sounds. Greg Coquillo. Uh, Giovanna Regina Galino Malaga. She's one of our steward members. Uh, Manpreet Budraja. Um, let's see. And then new, just we agreed we really wanted them on, is uh, Kimberly Wright. And uh, I'm going to mess, I'll butcher Magdi's name, but uh, if y'all know Magdi. <laughs> but you can request any of us to add you. There, there's uh, And there's even more admins that can add you. But if, if you reach out to me with a direct message, just uh, let me know, hey, I want to be part of that community. And I'll send you a series of carefully crafted messages that let you know who we are, what we're about, why we're doing what we're doing, and give you some good starter materials, too. Sweet. Well, you guys got all that instruction. Uh, reach out to them. Tom, big thank you for your time and for all you do for the uh, LinkedIn community. Really appreciate it. It is awesome being here. I feel super honored being your first guest. Yes. And, uh, I want to uh, appeal to the community. Support Avery. We don't want to see him on the street. He doesn't have a job. He has a business now. He's being brave. <laughs> that that's true. That's true. So so you can always support freely by uh, by uh, reviewing and rating and subscribing to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> uh, I support Avery, wait, Avery Smith's business. There we go. <laughs> if that will help. Thanks. I hope it'll make, help. <laughs> I'm going to make a commercial out of that, Tom. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. <laughs> well, it's it right, an honor sir. to be thank, here. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And we'll, we'll talk later, Tom. Take care, Avery. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye -bye. everyone else who, who joined us for the, uh, the Data Career Podcast launch party. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a, a fun experience. I hope the computer wasn't too laggy. If you want to give away... Please send me a message. Don't forget there's one more giveaway. I'm going to give maybe five days to leave a review and a rating on um, the podcast, and I'll give you a shout-out on the podcast show notes as well as LinkedIn. Thank you, everyone, for joining. joining. Really appreciate you. I uh, hope you guys have a good